0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry.
1: Good morning. What a beautiful day out. Isn't it? That sun is so gorgeous. I'll tell you, driving in today, I could see the sun just glistening off the snow caps. uh, Tells me the season is changing. In fact, I was out of town last week, came back to... uh, About four or five inches of snow up in Fort Collins but it's just about gone and I think it's going to be a great weekend. We got some beautiful weather coming up in the next few days and we're going to talk about a lot of different outdoor activities today but we're going to start getting into ice fishing too. Um, Just so you know we're going to have a lineup of ice fishermen from around the country coming up the next few weeks. We're going to have uh, Bro Brosdal, in fact, he's a very famous, well noted ice angler and guide from Minnesota. He'll be joining us uh, later today in the show. Dave Gentz is going to join us the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Mister Ice Fishing, Doug Stangy, you've seen him on In Fisherman TV and magazine. He's the editor in chief of In Fisherman magazine and the host of their television show. Uh, Doug, Doug, and Dave and I go way back, along with some other guests that'll join us. Greg Clajo from Minnesota. It kind of started what's known as the revolution in ice fishing, but, boy, things have just kept changing, and there's so many great things going on in the ice fishing part of fishing. So we're going to cover that over the next few weeks, except for next week. Uh, Next week, I will be in Hawaii on assignment, so Chad will be filling in for me, Chad LaChance. And I don't want you to feel sorry that I'm going to miss next week. I'm going so I can check it out you listeners, do a little fishing and report back as to what kind of an experience you could have. I consider it part of the job, and I don't complain about it, but uh, all kidding aside, Karen and I are going to go and have a few uh, a few adult beverages on the beach. I'm going to do some fishing. We're going to enjoy Hawaii for about a week, So, but I'll be back uh, the Saturday after that. I also want to say um, happy Veterans Day to uh, everybody everybody out there who has served we really appreciate it. I get to do this show and live the life I lead and all the things I have because I grew up in a country that had these opportunities because uh, so many people fought for me and for my freedoms and things, and we really appreciate that. And if you think this isn't an incredible country with just unbelievable opportunities, uh, uh, just take a look around you and see what you could do if you really want to do. And thanks again to our veterans. Hopefully we, we honor all of them today. And if you know somebody that's served, go thank them for their service. As we get into this ice fishing and stuff, we're gonna have a lot of other ice fishermen on too besides these big national stars. We got our own guys right here that are really good. We got Nate Zelinski, we got Ronnie Castiglione, we got Brad Peterson, and of course we got Austin Parr. And Austin Parr is also a great open water fisherman. And he's gonna join us right now and we're gonna talk about that. Good morning, Austin. How are you, Terry? Thanks for having me. You know, I'm doing great and it's that time of the year where I know you were up hunting this week, and, you know, do you pick up a rifle or a shotgun? Do you pick up a fly rod or a conventional rod? Or there's some high mountain lakes where you could probably get out and start ice fishing. There's just about anything you want to do going on right now. Man,
2: I always tell customers down at the store, you know, this is the time of year where it's always the most difficult to decide because everything is is at its peak for the entire season.
1: Yeah, not only is the fishing really good, um, and the hunting, obviously, all of it. But a lot of people who aren't hardcore fishermen have put their gear away. A lot of the hardcore fishermen are hunters, so they are they're out hunting. So you get you get almost can have a lot of the water to yourself, and some of the biggest fish of the year are going to come this time of the year.
2: Man, it really is true. You know, we were up in in North Park a little bit this past week, and didn't deal with any people up there fishing at all. The the fishing at Delaney Buttes was just absolutely fantastic. Coming back down into town, Aurora has been fishing very well, and even Chatfield is still doing good. But, you know, big fish, like you mentioned, good numbers as well. And then, you know, you you subtract the crowds and the jet skis and the water skiers, and it really makes for a nice, pleasurable experience.
1: Well, let's talk first about North Park. North Park, traditionally, we're only about 10 days to two weeks away from those lakes freezing up. Do you feel there's going to be much open water left up there? Were you fishing from shore or a boat?
2: It's going to be tough. You know, a lot of the shallower stuff up there really is starting to freeze. And and three days ago up there, we had uh, the beginnings of, of ice forming on both Lake John and on the Delaney Butte. For instance, Lake John, the... The lower lake, it's the very shallow lake, had a full cap on it, and everything else was starting to cap a little bit more. So, you know, it, it's going to be, I think, a little tough to get on some open water up there. But then the other thing that you do have are, are a variety of different river access points up there that are all going to remain open and still maybe have some activities and some spawning browns moving around in there.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some great fish up there. You know, they're just tremendous. But what you're telling me is that probably by at least by Thanksgiving weekend, which is pretty typical, we're going to have some uh some ice opportunities there and i think that north park area uh is going to is going to um that north park area is going to uh provide some incredible ice fishing
2: opportunities it always does and that early season bite up there as with anywhere is, is really critical you know you get out there right as that ice gets safe and you're able to to do a lot of nice sight fishing up shallow and and not only catch good numbers of fish but truly give yourself an opportunity to catch a trophy and and have something that, you know, you can catch a fish of a lifetime this time of year.
1: Oh, you're absolutely right. I want to get back to ice fishing in a little, in a little bit, but we're going to have some gorgeous weather down here on the front range. Uh, it's going to be near 60 the next couple of days and probably hit 60 on Monday, but the water's not going to warm up dramatically because the nights are cold and the water's going to continue to cool. I think we're going to see this uh, opportunities for both boat and shore continue right here in the on in the front range, don't you?
2: You know, I definitely agree, and, you know, right now we're starting to see those water temperatures creep down into the high 40s, and, and that really means that, you know, you're starting to see some of your shad die off a little bit, and your Your walleyes are are beginning to move to a little bit deeper water in the middle of the day, which gives you really an opportunity to to target them with a lot of the stuff that, you know, we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks and that I've been doing all year. But, you know, jigging wraps and jigging spoons and even some blade baits uh, to get down to some of those deeper water fish is really going to wind up being productive over the next couple of weeks of boating.
1: Oh, I think so. And we've got that's what we've got, too, is about two weeks of boating on the front range. Then most of them will close. Of course, Pueblo will stay open all winter, and this Absolutely. bite will continue down there. But as I've talked to people over the last couple of weeks, um, they're, they're telling me that the walleyes haven't totally transitioned deep. In the daytime, they're catching not only walleyes, but other species on deeper structure with the jigging methods you mentioned. But in the mornings and, and uh, just before sunset, they said they're still able to catch fish shallow, even from shore.
2: Absolutely. You know, I've really been hearing about that in Aurora a lot lately as well. Um, a lot of folks have been catching fish on jerk baits up shallow, and that's something we've also seen at Cherry Creek where, you know, although you're not dealing with the extreme depths that you might see at Pueblo or, or even Aurora for that matter, uh, early in that morning you're seeing fish up in three, four, five feet of water, and then, you know, as soon as that sun tends to get up onto the lake a little bit, they tend to slide off into that deeper stuff and either suspend or go get off some deeper water structure.
1: You know, another thing, and I'm reason I'm kind of hitting on the shore a little bit is I actually had an email from a listener and somebody who reads my column in the Denver Denver Post and want to know if I'd talk a little more about shore fishing. Well, we do quite a bit, but I think it gets lost in some of the reports. Another shore opportunity this time of the year, the water is cooling and the lakes and ponds up and down the front range, a lot of them are heavily stocked with trout. Yeah, those trout get active and this is a great time to shore fish for those trout
2: it really is true and i mean you know you'll you'll find opportunities for some fish you know you can talk about chatfield but then also a lot of the smaller bodies of water but some of these these metro area fisheries really have some very high quality fish you know aurora we were just talking to a gentleman a couple of days ago that, that had a seven pounder that he caught out of there which was a, a beautiful fish and that gentleman actually was walleye fishing and, and caught that on a Cutter one ten um on in a yellow perch pattern out there. So he was fishing for the walleyes and caught the trout at the same time. But especially if you're looking to take a kid out or something like that as well. Um with those water temperatures in the forties, those trout are, are some of your most active uh fish in the whole ecosystem.
1: Well and places like Saint Vrain or you know, used to be Barber Ponds, but Saint Vrain they dump so many fish in there. It's it's almost hard not to catch trout at Saint Vrain right now from the shore. It,
2: yeah, and I mean, everyone goes out there on the ice early season and, you know, it really takes a lot of pressure up there. But this time of year, you're not seeing nearly as many people. So not only can you have some fantastic fishing, but you can go up there and maybe have a little bit of solitude even on a weekend.
1: So what else are you seeing, both from a boat and from shore around the metro area? If somebody wants to get out, you know, Broncos don't play till late tomorrow. A lot of people are going to try to sneak out, maybe yet today. And on Monday, if somebody doesn't work, it's going to be beautiful. Where are a few places that you might send them?
2: You know, I would definitely be looking at Aurora to start with. Um, there's a lot of nice fish that are coming out of there, and with that uh, being, you know, more of a predominantly yellow perch fishery rather than shad, uh, that, that that fishery tends to not have. As many of the big bait balls that, that you have to compete with, but then also, you know, if you're a fly fisherman at all, there's still going to be some really nice fly fishing that's going to be up in the hills, just a little, a little ways, you know. Although you might deal with a little bit more crowds. Cheeseman Canyon has been fishing really well lately, um, and that's kind of a, a little bit of a uh, turn, you know, a change from the conventional fishing. But that certainly is, has been fishing well. A lot of folks have been catching a lot of nice trout up there. Um, But then also, you know, Waterton Canyon wouldn't be a bad one right now either. You know, you're talking about your trout. Those trout are still fairly active in there, not a lot of ice yet. um, So that might be another really nice choice.
1: You know, the wintertime, I know I get so into ice fishing, I tend to put both my fly rods and my conventional gear away. But, boy, if you're a dedicated fly fisherman, don't put your long rods away. Some of the best fly fishing in the state will will continue right from now right on through spring.
2: It really is true, and I mean, you can get all kinds of nice destinations, even on the front range. You know, you have multiple tailwaters that are nice and close here. You even talk about South Boulder Creek or or even on the upper stretches of of Bear Creek, you have access. But, you know, some of these fisheries, you know, you you find that there's not very much pressure on them at all in the middle of the winter time, and and you can go up and and find a really nice day. And then the other thing to really take into consideration as well as we – we you know have the, the access to Pueblo um underneath that tailwater the entire winter time down there and that gives you an opportunity for instance this weekend where you're gonna have very beautiful weather. Um you know it might be a little chillier up in the high country but you can go down there and have mid sixties and, and catch a lot of really nice
1: trout. Well oh, that tailwater below Pueblo is not only trout too. I've caught trout, smallmouth bass, walleye catfish but it's and they've really improved that too. It's a great fishery. You know a fishery that I don't fish much anymore. I used to years ago and I think it's overlooked in the winter. And that's the plat below Chatfield coming right into town.
2: Well especially with the you know the the project to to raise Chatfield over the next couple of years, we're really gonna see a lot of improved flows down there. But you know I talked to a lot of folks that go down there and particularly in the stretches from, you know, about Union or Oxford, all the way up to the dam itself. You have a multi-species opportunity, like you just mentioned, down at Pueblo. But you have the opportunity to catch a lot of smallmouth, walleyes, and then especially really nice trout. So that can definitely be a nice little opportunity to go out for just a couple of hours and give yourself a, a good chance at catching some good fish.
1: You know, I, I want to talk to you about one more subject before I do that, though. I was just handed a note saying it's your birthday. Is that right? <laughs> it is that, is. that is true. And you're at 22 now, right? 24. a happy birthday to you thank you terry i appreciate it well it's easy for people to remember your birthdays on veterans day right
2: it is yes but you know it's one of those things where maybe my birthday but certainly you know giving thanks to all the veterans out there is, is something that's far more important than than my birthday at all today so certainly want to thank all the veterans out there today
1: me too, and I did that opening the show. Let's talk about one more thing. You know, While we've got boat ramps open on the front range, probably not too many places up in the mountains right now. But And we mentioned this earlier on, and hopefully people have been out doing it. I know you're an avid ice angler. I think mapping has become almost as important, the maps you can buy and download, as the electronics themselves and the depth finders for helping you be a better ice fisherman. But boy, if it, you if you want to get your boat out right now and find some GPS points right now, those fish are gathering where they're going to be when it freezes. You should be scouting in your boat.
2: It really is true, you know. And I mean, although you mentioned we're seeing a lot of the, a lot of the high country boat ramps close, we did that quite a bit earlier in in North Park this year, where we were trying to to mark some of those weed lines that can be so critical to to catch fish. You know, where you're not necessarily looking at a at a contour change, but you're seeing that, that weed growth come up and every year they come up in a little bit different place. You know, you, you reset your GPS coordinates and, and be able to go out there and target those right on the edges of those, those edges on, on the ice. But then even, as you mentioned, a Chatfield or Terry Creek or Aurora or any of our other ice fishing destinations in town, trying to go and find some of those, those deep water drop-offs or something that, you know, it it saves you so much time from having to go out there and, and drill and, and having to walk all the way out and trying to find a contour line with a flasher, it's so much more efficient to be able to do it with your boat. And if you can get those those points marked right now, it saves you so much time. You know, As you know, especially with the walleye bite in town, it, it's such an, an early and a late bite, and it doesn't last very long. So if you're out there you know, fumbling around trying to find where that drop-off is, that definitely can take away from your time, and by the time you finally get it, it's too late in the day. So if you can walk right to that spot and drill on it, it, it definitely improves success rates.
1: Well, and I think the scouting is so important, like you said, because you can move around so much more freely in a boat. And I think the mapping units on all the main things now where you can create your own maps and also the downloadable maps, you know, here in Colorado, if I go back to Minnesota and fish, we have a chip that gives us one foot contours, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's fantastic. We don't have a lot of that available here, but a lot of guys are making maps you can download and you can certainly create your own now too. And it makes such a difference. I mean, getting out on the water. In fact, I have on my YouTube channel, I have a show where I just went to Dowdy Reservoir and what I did is the whole premises of the show is I'm unloading my shelter. I talk about the fact that I have my handheld GPS and I have a GPS on my depth finder and that I was out there earlier in the year in my boat and now, Dowdy, you can catch some fish. It's, let's face it, it's a pretty easy fishery. It's but a fantastic one. You'll catch fish there and it freezes early. But there was, a, I was out on a boat on a flat and there was one rock in the middle of that flat and the fish were just, was just like a fish magnet. Well, I marked that on my GPS. So in the winter, I pulled up, unloaded my shelter, walked right to that spot, maybe drilled two or three holes around it just to get exactly on it and near it. And sat there and just outfished everybody else in the lake, not because I was a better angler, but because I was on the spot. And so And it's
2: so true. I mean, getting on that spot and and sometimes you you know you have spot on spot type locations where you might have the the rise, and then all of a sudden there's there's an additional rise or you have a bottom composition change or anything like that at all. Those kind of things to mark on the, the GPS for the ice fishing can truly set you apart from other anglers around you.
1: All right. We got to run, but I want to tell people, if you want to see that kind of activity, you can go to my YouTube channel. It's, it's the Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. And I just realized if you have Com- Comcast Xfinity, if you talk into the microphone and say YouTube, it comes up, you can search, and about 70 episodes of my television show will come up right on the Comcast Xfinity, and you can watch them. So it's another way you can watch my stuff. But, uh Austin, before I let you go, first, happy birthday. And how do people get a hold of you if they either want to talk to you or book a guide trip?
2: Shoot an email to me at walleye93 at gmail.com works well, and I'm also on Facebook.
1: And you are they can stop into discount tackling. You're almost always Certainly. there. Yep, I'm
2: there in the evenings a heck of a lot, and I'm going to be heading down there right now.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Austin. As always, great information. We ran over, but we'll get I'll make sure our next guest guest gets plenty of time. Thank you for all that Thanks, great you, information. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks. That's Austin Parr. What a great guy. Um, we're gonna After this break, we're going to change up. We're going to talk cutthroat trout, the greenback, Colorado State fish here. That and so much more. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by the Honey Smoke Fish Company, Smoked Salmon. Secret is in the fire. We're going right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Boyd Wright. Good morning, Boyd.
3: Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me on.
1: Thank you, and thanks for your patience. I know we ran a little over with Austin, but boy, he has great information. He's such no, a... that
3: was super interesting. No problem at all.
1: Yeah, but what you're going to talk about is super interesting, too. You know, the the Colorado greenback cutthroat trout is the state fish if I'm not mistaken.
0: And Yeah,
3: you're absolutely right. It's our state fish. Uh it's the native uh trout to the South Platte basin, so essentially the front range of uh of Colorado. Um and it's uh as some folks may long know, has a long storied history of uh of almost being extinct and then being recovered and then almost being extinct again and then being recovered again
1: yeah it's been an up and down but we feel like we're on the right path and i know you and i talked a few years ago when they finally had isolated some genetic characteristics and things but why don't you kind of take people through the history of what go take them through what did happen with the greenback
3: yeah absolutely so um early early on in the late 1800s nearly all of our native trout in Colorado had had been wiped out uh, near extinction Um, and by the 1930s uh, it was believed that greenbacks were extinct Uh, and then uh, a population was discovered in the 1950s uh, and then by 1973 when the endangered or the current version of the Endangered Species Act was signed into law uh, the greenback cutthroat trout was listed as endangered under the endangered species act but it's actually one of the uh stories that's heralded as a as an endangered species act success story because within a a few decades uh there were populations of greenbacks back all over the basin uh through reintroduction efforts um and by the the late 70s uh, the greenback was downlisted to threatened uh, because of its improved status um, however uh, in, in the early 2000s uh, folks started to question the genetic integrity of the fish that were being used to restore greenbacks it turns out through a bunch of historic digging and uh, new genetic techniques we've learned that a lot of the the cutthroat trout that we were able to find still existing were the result of stocking uh, millions of fish that were stocked in the early 1900s out of Trapper's Lake, which is uh, in the native range for another subspecies of cutthroat, the Colorado River cutthroat trout. Um, so starting in about 2012, we really started ramping up efforts to to get uh, the the pure greenback cutthroat trout uh, which was found only residing in one stream outside of colorado springs and bear creek to get those fish uh, repopulated across its native range Um, starting with zimmerman lake that's what we spoke about last time i talked to you a few years ago uh, where we were able to get these fish reintroduced and now we uh, go there annually to collect eggs to, to restore other populations and we also have two streams that we've recently uh, reclaimed and restocked uh, with pure greenback cutthroat trout and two more streams that we're working on.
1: So that just shows you, Let's. Uh, I want to kind of get into where uh, maybe some of the locations again and some of the opportunities both for understanding what's going on and maybe even an angling opportunity if greenbacks are in your bucket list. But before I even get to that, um, the greenback, when you've discovered the genetics were wrong, we're very likely going to be put back on the endangered or thought to be extinct or put back on the endangered species list. And that listing, uh, you know, right now, I think they may still be threatened. I'm not sure. And I'll let you clarify that in a minute, but if you get, if you get uh, a, a fish that gets listed on the endangered species list, it makes management of everything else in those waters so difficult, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, So to clarify, right now, the the greenback is listed as threatened under the Endangered Species Act. But there's a difference between threatened and endangered. As threatened, uh, the state has authority to manage uh, populations, which means we're able to manage them for catch-and-release fishing. Uh, Should the greenback get uplisted to endangered, um, that's that's sure to change to some degree. Uh, It'd certainly be a lot harder to manage them for catch-and-release fishing, uh, uh, to be sure.
1: Now, the... Progress you've been doing let's talk a little bit about some of the locations but let's give credit to some of the partners this effort would never have been possible without a lot of partners would it
3: yeah thank you so much for bringing that up uh, greenback recovery is guided by a recovery team of multiple uh, government agencies including the blm u.s forest service u.s fish and wildlife service and the national park service uh, as well as a a non-signatory member in colorado trout unlimited Uh, but every this has just been a great team effort of all those groups to get these fish back out on the landscape and i certainly uh, really appreciate appreciate the support of trout unlimited we've had an outpouring of volunteer support and, uh, and to have such great public buy-in on this work is really gratifying.
1: Now, while we've still got a couple minutes, let's talk about where you've been able to establish populations, what you need to establish a population, and then do those populations provide any maybe bucket list opportunities for an angler?
3: Yeah, well, um, it's, uh, like you said, there's there's a lot of work that goes into to restoring populations. First, you can't have any other uh, trout species present. Uh, we know that non-native brook trout and brown trout. Uh, will outcompete uh, cutthroats because they're fall spawners and their young have a jump on growth uh, compared to the spring spawning greenback. We know that rainbow trout uh, readily hybridize with greenbacks, and when those two species hybridize, uh, what's left is is not genetically pure. Um, so, we got to make sure we can get all of the trout out of the system first, and then we have to make sure that trout can't get back in the system. And that's usually accomplished by uh, utilizing a barrier to upstream fish migration. Uh, some of these are natural waterfalls, but then sometimes we have to plan and build barriers uh, to keep uh, non-native trout from migrating back in. So, it's, it's a great deal of work that goes into it. Um, And uh, in the first two streams that we were able to restock, we actually had uh, barriers already in place. Um, Their Dry Gulch and Herman Gulch are in the upper Clear Creek watershed, um, right off I-70 across from Loveland Ski Area. And the culverts culverts that convey those creeks under I-70 create a velocity barrier, and then there's also a a vertical drop at the end of them. Um, So there were already barriers in place uh, when we did those streams. But the two streams we're working on right now, um, we've had to build barriers, and uh, there's a lot of fundraising that goes into that. There's a lot of engineering and planning, um, and so that's where we're at on those two projects. So right now, we've got them in two streams um, and Zimmerman Lake as well. Um, and then when we have excess fish from production uh, in the hatchery, we're putting those into Joe Wright Reservoir. And right now we're encouraging folks, if they want to knock the species off their bucket list, Zimmerman Lake is a great place to do that. And if you don't want to hike up to Zimmerman Lake, uh, you can try your chances at Joe Wright Reservoir. And if, if you don't catch greenbacks there, well, you might catch a grayling or, or, or other subspecies of cutthroat.
1: Yeah, Joe Wright is such an incredible fishery, isn't it? Right by the road. I send a lot of people up there with kids. You can take a fly in a bubble and typically catch those grayling year-round up there. Well, not year-round because it freezes, but but um, when they're going, it's just fantastic. I do want to ice fish Joe Wright one time, but there's about a two-hour period from the time it freezes till there's six feet of snow on it.
3: So- <laughs> yeah, you got to get up there early, right? I've never ice-fished either, but... Like you said, gosh, what an amazing experience to be up uh, in the inlet area catching uh, grayling when they're starting to run, and you can just see them everywhere, and they're readily taking a fly. It's it's, uh, hard to compare anything to it, really. Oh, it is. Hey, we've got to run.
1: Um, Boyd, we are way over time again. We've got uh, (laughs) Daryl waiting to talk to us about Pueblo Reservoir, where we're going to take you next. So thank you so much. That was a great update, and thank you for all that information.
3: Thank you, Terry. I appreciate it.
1: You bet. Thank you for joining us. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company's smoked salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to the phones, and joining us from Pueblo State Park is Officer Daryl Cedar. Good morning, Daryl.
0: Good morning, Terry. How's it going?
1: It's going great. We have a beautiful sunny day up here. Is it that way down there?
0: It is. It's beautiful down here. We have a high projected of sixty-five degrees today. It's going to be a beautiful day.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. Because you're south of us and you're, at, you know, and your elevation is not high, you quite often are warmer than us, and that presents a lot of outdoor opportunities. You know, before we get into what you want to talk about, and I know you want to talk about the trails that are down there. Incredible. Let's first start out, though, by telling people, describe Pueblo State Park, what it's like, and the amenities that are available.
0: Um, well, Lake Pueblo State Park, um, we're located just west of the city of Pueblo. Um, we have about, it's a, it's about a 12,885-acre state park, um, about 4,611 surface, surface acres of water is what we have out there for the lake. And um, we offer 60 miles of shoreline. We have year-round camping. Um, there's tons of hiking opportunities, hunting, fishing, um, horseback riding, um, tons tons of stuff to do out at the park.
1: And, you know, we've been talking a lot lately about the fishing down there, and I want to touch on that before we get to the trails. And what we've been talking about down there is the fact that, um, weather permitting, you guys keep the boat ramp, ramps open. Uh, all year, it's one of the premier fisheries in the state. You've got the tailwater below, which is incredible fishing all year long for somebody who wants to fly fish or shore fish. You've got big trout this time of the year. They'll come in by shore. But then you're going to have this incredible spoon bite for walleyes. And while you're doing it, you're going to be catching uh, catfish, walleye, smallmouth bass, maybe a wiper. It's just uh, an incredible fishery. Have you heard any reports about what's happening?
0: Um, you know the the tailwaters are doing pretty well right now. Um, I was out there fishing just the other day, actually, and uh, didn't do too bad. Um, the as far as fishing on the reservoir, I've uh, seen quite a few guys catching some walleye out there still, and uh, also some wiper here and there. And the the trout are really becoming active now as well.
1: You know that's something the trout in these front range lakes up and down. You know, during the summer, people don't catch much many trout in Pueblo or in Cherry Creek or Chatfield or even in uh, Boyd and some of these state park lakes up and down the front range because the water gets warm and they tend to go a little deeper and be less accessible, but they are stocked heavily. And these reservoirs, because of the shad populations, once those trout get to a certain size, you grow some really big trout and this is the time of the year and into winter when they're actually very accessible from shore.
0: Yeah, definitely uh the water temperature out there right now is right around 50 degrees, so it's cooled off a lot and those trout are really starting to become active.
1: Now, you mentioned that it's going to be 65 down there today, which really lends itself to so many other outdoor activities, you know, and we we talk so much about the the water-based sports, the boating, the fishing, uh, even camping on the water that you have at Pueblo, but you mentioned the large land area, and that encompasses just a number of multi use trails doesn't it
0: it does um there's there's tons of stuff to do, and what i wanted to, what I was calling in to talk about today was uh the the trail system we have out there go ahead um so over, based off the south side of the park, um, if you park at our Arkansas Point Campground parking lot right there, there's miles and miles of single track mountain bike trails. Um, really, we call them mountain bike trails, but they're multi-use trails. Um, there's about 40 miles of single track um, back there, and it's excellent mountain biking. Uh, you can ride horse, ride horseback back there on those trails. Um, Just excellent trail system. Um, We have maps out at the park. Um, We have anything from novice all the way up to advanced trails. Um, There's a map you can grab at the park, and we've graded the trails kind of like ski runs, you know. So um, people who are interested, you know, they can kind of gauge their their experience level and grab a map and find a a route to go.
1: Now, you mentioned the fact that you can enter the park and have your bike or if you're just gonna walk or whatever on your vehicle and then there's there's many areas to park and trails throughout the park also. You can even stay in Pueblo at one of the many hotels and there's a, a cement bike path that goes all the way to the park and you could get out to the, the bike trails that way too.
0: Yeah, you definitely can. And um if you ride your if you ride your bike into the park into the park, you don't need a parks pass. The parks pass is for vehicles. So if you ride into the park, um, you don't need to have a park pass for your bicycle. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a concrete trail that goes all the way from Runyon Lake that's way out east, um, all the way out to Lake Pueblo and then into Pueblo West and all over the place.
1: And if while you're out there, not only do you have the various degrees of trails you can ride and the hiking that's available, but no matter how you're back there, whether it's horseback, hiking, or on a bike, you're probably going to see some wildlife.
0: Definitely. Um, tons of deer. Um, the deer population we have at Lake Pueblo is huge. Um, you'll you'll see them all over the place and um, lots of birds. Um, Lake Pueblo is a really great place to go birding. We have tons of different species and stuff like that. The waterfowl are starting to come down. So you're going to be seeing a different bunch of different types of waterfowl out there as well.
1: Now, there are some even uh, limited hunting opportunities on the park.
0: There are. So um, Lake Pueblo is bordered on each side by a state wildlife area, which is open for hunting and as well. And then at the park, we have certain areas that hunting is allowed. Um, some of those areas are where the single track trails are, um, but hunters and bicyclers and everybody who's enjoying those trails usually get along just fine. But that's something we want people to be aware of, that hunting is allowed back there and it's a multi-use area. Yeah. So you might hear
1: a shotgun blast, somebody hunting upland game or something,
0: but um, yeah, I, for, the,
1: for the most part, it ends up to be a very safe area and the people interacting. you know, interacting with people doing other activities is such a key as our outdoor uh, population grows. We're going to see more people out and learning to coexist is really, really important. Now with the weather you get down there, I imagine those trails are pretty accessible almost all year long.
0: They are very accessible all year long. Um, there is a website, um, LakePuebloTrails.org. And those those guys do a really great job of updating trail conditions and stuff like that. I mean, we can, the trails will get muddy and stuff like that. And we ask people to tread lightly when that happens, you know, just so we don't rut those out too bad. But um, they update trail conditions all the time. You can get onto that LakePuebloTrails.org and uh, see what the trail conditions are for the day and stuff like that. There's also volunteer opportunities on there. Um, if people are interested in in that as well, what's the
1: website again?
0: Uh, it's LakePuebloTrails.org. All right,
1: Daryl, we are out of time, but great information. I hope people, you know, we have so many people that love the mountain bike. My <laughs> wife and I both have mountain bikes. She rides a lot. I don't ride with her much because she kicks my butt. But but <laughs> <laughs> but we, you know, so many people that enjoy the outdoors in so many different ways, and Pueblo certainly offers them those opportunities. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Terry.
1: You bet. That's uh. Daryl from Pueblo State Park, and, you know, we talk the fishing and boating down there, but there are so many other opportunities at all of our state parks to get outdoors. And a little bit further south, the weather gets pretty warm. It's nice there. You're around 65 today, he says. That's pretty awesome to be down there riding a mountain bike. Terry Oaks Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. It's time now for Terry's Tackle Tip of the Week. All right, we do have our tackle tip. You know, I've been telling you, we're going to be covering a lot of ice fishing opportunities. Now, the baits I'm going to talk about today are tremendous for ice fishing, but I also use them during the summer for panfish and trout. They're tremendous baits. The baits I want to talk to you are the little jars of the Gulp and Gulp Alive product. If you go into Sportsman's Warehouse, you're going to see a little rack of these jars of Gulp. And, uh, you know, I, they probably cost about 4 or $5. Dollars, but a jar of that stuff has so many little baits in it, they will last you just forever and ever. And they have things like crickets and extruded worms, and they have all different kinds of shapes in them. But three in particular that I really love, ice fishing, and by the way, a couple of them I use, Uh, a lot for crappie and bluegills and trout during the summer. But those three are the mini earthworm, the gulp minnow, and then the gulp waxies. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about each one. I'm going to start with that mini earthworm. It's about, oh, it's, I don't know, it's about an inch and a half long. It's really skinny. I always get it in the red wiggler color. Now Berkeley makes a couple different products. They make one that's called a uh, euro larva that's kind of section I know Doug Stangy who's going to be joining us on the show here in a couple weeks fishes that one a lot through the ice they make one that's called a bloodworm that's maybe about 2 or 3 inches long and a little thicker and that's an effective bait but I love that mini earthworm because it looks like a small bloodworm uh, every fish that swims in any lake that I know will eat some bloodworms they're the larva of different insects they're a little usually red colored they can be different colors inch, inch and a half, two inch long worm. Now the little mini earthworm is kind of a thin bait. So you have to have you put it either on a very light wire hook or you have to put it on a very light ice jig to to hook it properly because it doesn't give you a lot of hooking space. But I have had phenomenal luck with that. In fact, I usually use some of the others more, uh, other gulp baits. And last year I went out to test that mini earthworm I took a jar of that, and I fished almost exclusively. I did use a couple other baits at times, and I did actually use some live bait a couple times. But I'm finding when I'm ice fishing, I'm very seldom bothering to get live bait anymore. There are times, but, boy, very seldom. But that little mini earthworm, I fished that last year, and I caught bluegills and crappies and trout, and it was just the most successful bait. I forced myself to fish with it because I wanted to prove how effective it could be, and it was phenomenal. Carried that over, actually, into the spring. And if you go back on my Facebook page, which you should follow anyway, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, because a lot of this information gets on that Facebook page of what we're doing on the show, times we've been out fishing, reports. Uh, but Karen and I went to check out some ponds, and she got some huge 14-inch crappies using that same bloodworm on a little tiny ice fishing jig below a bobber. So it's a really effective bait. So that's one. If you can find... It's called the mini earthworm. It's about an inch, inch and a half long, and it looks and in the red wiggler color. It just really imitates a bloodworm, which is just an incredible, incredible bait year round. The next one I use quite a bit is the gulp minnow, the one inch gulp minnow. You get the one inch gulp minnow in the um. You get the one inch gulp minnow in the uh, jars also. And some of these are also available in small bags. You can check both ways. But I know Sportsman's Warehouse has a rack with these jars. Uh, you get that one-inch gulp minnow, and it's, it's a little tiny minnow, and it is so effective ice fishing and pan fishing. But you can add it to a spoon, a jig. I'm not sure if they mistake it for a minnow or if they mistake it for some other kind of larva or what it is, but it adds just a great size, great color combinations And it has the the effective scent and taste of gulp. You know, and that's what makes these gulp baits so effective. They've got like 400 times the scent of other baits. And they don't just have the taste, so when the fish grab them, they hang on. They have that. Fish grab them, they just won't let go because they taste so good. But the gulp baits give off tremendous scent. And when you're ice fishing, it's harder to move around, so you have to do more to draw the fish to you. So those gulp baits are phenomenal. Just sometimes to have one on a dead stick down there that will attract fish in. You may catch them on a the dead stick. You may catch them on another presentation. So that gulp minnow is another one. It's a little bit thicker and has a little more body to it, a little more buoyancy than the, uh, the earthworm, and it's different color combinations. And the third one I use a lot ice fishing is the um, gulp alive waxies. Now these are a fraction of an inch long. Maybe they're quarter to a half, somewhere in there. And you get so many in a jar. A jar just lasts you forever. And again, they're about 4 or $5 a jar. And you just put those on little ice jigs, on little spoons, and they are an incredibly, incredibly effective bait. In fact, I did an ice fishing show just using these types of baits on my television show up at North Michigan Reservoir. I did a sonar demonstration on that show and went up and showed using these baits. And we caught so many fish in the first hour or so that I, we quit filming, and I let the cast uh, continue to the cast. The, the producer and camera people to fish, which was mostly Karen. I hate to let her fish because she always catches more fish than me, but she just pounded the fish. I mean, if you want to see that show, it's on our YouTube channel, on Ter- The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. We'll be posting maybe some of these on our Facebook page too, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, with some of the things we talk about. But uh, I did also find out that you can go, if you have Xfinity, Xfinity X1, you can speak into your control and say YouTube. It'll come up with YouTube, and then you can type in a search, type in my name, and about 70 episodes of my shows come up, and that uh, that one up at uh, North Michigan Reservoir is there, and it really shows us using those baits. That's our tackle talk for today, and uh, we're going to... Uh, Uh, Hopefully you'll go out and use some of those baits. I've had just tremendous luck. I hardly use any live bait. Occasionally I do, but very seldom when I'm ice fishing anymore. These gulp alive gulp baits in the small jars, easy to carry. You've always got them with you. You've got backup. You don't have to worry about keeping alive. Just tremendous, tremendous baits to use when you're ice fishing and also pan fishing in the summer. We're going to take a time out, and when we come back, we're going to talk to the folks from Tightline Outdoors Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter.